Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Let's see if it's James Conner time. They get out there into the end zone. Linebackers can't flow over the top. Connor makes a nice cut. Purdy going to look left, though. Going to run away from Moa. And Brock Purdy will go in the end zone for a touchdown. Down and Purdy. <laughs> they want to throw. Allen flips. Caught. Touchdown, Diggs. Turner Yell makes the stop in the secondary for Denver. First and ten, the fake. Good block in there, and down it goes. Caught at the 30. This is the dynamic here. He's in for six. Tyreek Hill, touchdown. Trying to keep that same Packer defense out there. Second down and goal. Keep it on the ground. Through the middle. There he goes again. Montgomery. For six. Dollar ticket night here at Guaranteed Rate Field, and they're getting their money's worth. The one-two. Got him. And the Diamondbacks miss a chance to sweep in Chicago and get the win they needed for that equation that would give them a postseason spot at the end of play today. And Candy, clearly, there's some more work to do. They had only four hits in a ball game yesterday, only three hits today. The offense has disappeared. The Bengals trying to convert. Burrow. Toss down. Miles Garrett gets home. Back, his first appearance. Blitz coming off the edge. Here comes Kyle Hamilton, and he gets there. And the sack back inside the 40. Untouched for the former Notre Dame All-American. He will try to be the first true freshman quarterback to win here since 2016. His first throw is intercepted. It's going the other way. Karene Reed, what a start. Uwe Ungalale at quarterback. And the Clemson transfer. Hands it off. There goes Damian Martinez. Down the sideline. Martinez. Touchdown. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Friday, September 29th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, Right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD 2 100.7. Cardinals 49ers, who you got ATS on Sunday. Bills and Dolphins, who you got Sunday in Buffalo. The Lions, are they legitimate NFC contenders? The Diamondbacks, what went uh, wrong during the 3 and 3 road trip? Back to football. Pick any game on this week's NFL or college schedule. And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. 
In moments, we'll have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15, a Cardinals 49ers preview. We'll get the latest on the 49ers from Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Bay Area. 9.30 or so, it'll be interactive action, 602-260-1060. And also the local roundup. Now includes some analysis of the Diamondbacks' dismal performance yesterday on the south side of Chicago. And in the final segment of the Sports Zone, the National Roundup topped by the MLB scoreboard. Then after the Sports Zone from 10 to noon, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. Of course, that includes the Friday spread from uh, Von Hansen Meats. And our weekly prop bet segment with Brian Lewis of uh, Pro Football Network Plus. Phone call time at 602-260-1060. All right, right now onto the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. We start with a KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, who you got Sunday ATS at Santa Clara? Cardinals plus 14 or the 49ers minus 14? Kayla is here and has the early returns. Early returns. Cardinals plus 14 at 75% of the vote. 49ers minus 14 at 25%. The 49ers have won 14 consecutive regular season games straight up. The Cardinals have a one-game winning streak themselves straight up. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, who you got ATS Sunday at Buffalo, Bills minus three, or the Dolphins plus three? And Kayla, what's going on here? Dolphins out in front plus three at 71.4% of the vote. Bills minus three at 28.6%. This is over on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. We're going with the FanDuel number here of minus three. If you uh, you want a better Buffalo number, the consensus number worldwide this morning is now actually sitting at two and a half. All right, the Lions are in first place. Before last night's domination at Green Bay, the Lions had not been in sole possession of first place in any week since the 2019 season. Are the Lions a legitimate contender to win the NFC? Meanwhile, on the local front, the Diamondbacks' offense failed again. Arizona's offense has vanished with increased frequency really since July the 1st, including Thursday in the 3-1 loss at Chicago, a game that uh, uh, against they lost to the team that's going through the motions, and I'm being kind about going through the motions with the White Sox. What was most disturbing about the Diamondbacks' 3-3 road trip to the Yankees and the White Sox? Meanwhile, spanning the globe back to the NFL, the NFL Sunday schedule also includes Ravens at Browns, a really good matchup. And for you nutcases out there, crazy people, there's the Broncos and the Bears. All right, uh, and then the Saturday college slate, four top 25 matchups. Uh, that's the second most in any week this year. Not quite like last week, but four is pretty good. Uh, tonight, Utah is at Oregon State. Then Saturday, we have Notre Dame at Duke, a game we previewed on Wednesday on the show. Uh, LSU at uh, LSU at Old Miss, and uh, also Kansas at Texas. Those are the other top 25 matchups. Who you got in any game this week, ATS, college or pro? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All the way back to yesterday. All right, that is the pipeline for today. We get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion category. 
Whether it's uh, so, whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or Twitter.com/KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules, or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That will be followed by the latest on the 49ers heading into Sunday's game against the Cardinals. Longtime Sports Zone guest Matt Mayoko is scheduled to join us from NBC Sports Bay Area, so stay tuned for that. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, phone call time, general discussion, 602-260-1060. Also get to some local roundup. That will include, or at least start with the Diamondbacks' uh, Thursday loss at Chicago against the lowly White Sox. And then time pending, we'll get into a little bit from the Cardinals, ASU, and the U of A heading into their games this weekend in the uh, on the gridiron, as they say. I'm not sure exactly sure why they say that, but they that's gridiron has been a term I've heard since like the second I was born. All right, that's a long time ago. The second I was born. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Kiss Lux HD2 100.7. Your home of the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m., the Cardinals take their one-game winning streak to the Bay Area uh, this weekend to take on the 49ers. And for the latest on the 49ers, out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the sports zone by Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Bay Area. And hello, sir. How you doing? And uh, uh, you know, what's going on in the Bay Area? Uh, not a whole lot, Bob. Always good to hear your voice. You know, Twice a year for sure, but usually draft time. I hear from yep. you when when I need you. You know when you need me. It's we've always been there for each other. God, it's been, we've been doing this a long time, haven't we? We were just talking about. I was telling Kayla that I'm I'm certain that you know, I've had you on more than anybody on during a football during the football season over the years. I've been doing wow. this for twenty twenty three seasons here, so yeah, it's uh, been a while. Yes, yeah. it has been a while. So yeah, no, this should be. Uh, you know, I think the. the uh, Certainly the Cardinals game on Sunday was, I don't know if it opened the eyes of, of the 49ers, but it was probably good for them to, to see that because they had the yeah. Thursday game. And so everybody was, you know, guys were, were able to, to tune in and, and watch that one. Um, they probably probably almost started out more watching the, the Cowboys because oh, yeah. next week the 49ers play the yep. Cowboys. And so it just that kind of worked cr- out well for them that, they could see both teams that they're going to be playing in the next two games head to head, and I, I mean, talking to the people around here, they were very impressed by what they saw from the Cardinals. And you know, if you if you strip away the names and the resumes and the the reputations and everything else, you watch that game and you're you're going away saying, oh yeah, the Cardinals are the 
that's the more difficult game. You know, that, that's the better team. <laughs> so uh, we'll see. No, I, I think the, the Cardinals definitely have the 49ers' attention. All right, so predictably, San Francisco's three and zero. What, what stands out the most to you? Um, I would say maybe just kind of the business like approach. You know, they they won a game week one in Pittsburgh, where quite a few people I think thought that the Steelers would win that game, and it was never really close. You know, the defense was dominant from the beginning, five three and outs to open the game. Um, and, you know, afterward, it was, it's kind of been the same thing after each one of their victories. Every, every game they've played, they've scored 30 points. Not a point more, not a point less. 30 points. <laughs> and kind of the, the, the temperature in the locker room after each one of those games is just very much, yeah, let's move on to the next one. You know, clean up the mistakes, move on. Um, there, it's not a, you know, there's no celebrating. There's no. You know, it's just a very even keel approach, and I think that that comes from having the guys in that locker room who are not only good players but very good leaders. You know, defensively, guys like Fred Warner, um, believe it or not, like Bosa is a very soft-spoken guy, but he's the guy who actually speaks to the team every Saturday. He, Kyle Shanahan, gave him that task a year or so ago. And he comes up with something different to to say to the team uh, at the end of practice every Saturday. Uh, then offensively, you know, guys like um, you know, George Kittle, certainly one of them, Trent Williams. Um, you know, they, they, they have some guys who have already had decorated careers. Uh, Christian McCaffrey off to a really good start. And, and they're all kind of the same personality. Uh, Kittle's a little bit out there. He's a little bit more fun and, and jovial and, and just, you know, is, is a little bit more wacky. But most guys are pretty serious-minded individuals who uh, love to play the game of football. Brock Purdy, what, what has impressed you the most? And have we been able to uh, identify if Purdy has a weakness at this point? <laughs> Well, I guess we'd have to wait until he actually loses a game before we start coming up with the weaknesses. I mean, I mean, the the question is, why was he the the final pick in the 2022 draft? And so, you know, it's his size, it's the arm strength, and that's about it. That that is, that's that's it. Um, he just he has poise. He's smart. And he processes extremely well. He sees the game like Kyle Shanahan wants his quarterback to see the game. He makes really good decisions in real time. He's accurate. Um, he, he doesn't make the same mistake twice. And I don't check out the game Thursday night. They played against the Giants, but the Giants came after him. Wink, Mark, and yep. Martindale dialed up. I mean, it's something crazy, like, you know, 90% blitzes uh, on pass plays. And early on, uh, he was, you know, I I, I don't know, I wouldn't say he was rattled by it, but Brock Purdy was not sharp early on and maybe a little bit out of sorts. But then he figured it out, and Martindale just kept kept coming with the blitzes. And and Purdy and the 49ers were like, oh, that's fine. You know, (laughs) just get rid of the ball quickly. 
and let Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey take over from there. So he ended up throwing for more than 300 yards. He's just, it, it, it's so unique because even when he stepped on the field last year, he was the third quarterback when the season started. When he got his opportunity after Jimmy Garoppolo went down with the injury, I mean, I'm, I'm watching this going, oh, there goes the season. But then after the game, you talk to guys, and it wasn't any of that. And then as the weeks went on, you almost got the sense that everybody felt like, well, now they have a better chance of winning with Brock Purdy than they did with either of the first two quarterbacks that they put out there last season. So, I don't know, man. He just, I don't know if you ever saw him at Perry High, but... Uh, I did not. He just, he just, I don't know, he just has this undefinable, you know, that, that it factor where he's just so calm and cool. Yeah. And like I said he he hasn't lost if you you know I, the way I word it is anytime he's taken more than half of his team snaps uh the mm-hmm. Ers have won every game uh the the one loss that he started of course his elbow basically got dislodged from the rest of his arm uh, and he needed surgery and he's come back strong from that so there's really there's not a bad thing or there is the critique on Brock Purdy is, is is very boring because there's just nothing yeah. to critique at this point. Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Bay Area, currently in the Sports Zone. You've seen Christian McCaffrey on a you know daily basis, basically for nearly a calendar year now. What what's impressed you the most, and is there anything about him that has surprised you? Um, well, I guess what surprised me was that I knew he was good. I don't know if I knew he was this good. I mean, he he does it all. You know, he can run between the tackles hard. He can he can run outside the tackles. He can line up anywhere in the formation and run patterns out of each formation. I mean, he he and Debo Samuel are a unique pairing because Debo Samuel is a wide receiver who can play running back. Christian McCaffrey is a running back. So I, I think he can play wide receiver. I mean, I, I, yeah. I think he could line up, especially in the slot. You know, maybe, maybe a little bit more difficult if he were to line up outside. But I mean, I, I would, my money would be on Christian McCaffrey going up against any nickelback in the league on the spot. Um, yeah, he, he's an interesting guy too. I mean, he's very serious. And, you know, he, he takes his job. Um, I mean, he's you know obviously a football lifer, grew up in a football family. Um, knows and understands and loves the game. Um, you know, like an interesting thing, when he came to the 49ers mid-season, he, he had two days of practice or one day of practice before they played their first game. And he, he only played like 20 snaps in that game against the, the Chiefs and 49ers got blown out in that game. And then he, he was the starter next week and he's been the starter ever since. But after practices were over, he would spend extra time on the field with Purdy. Purdy was the, the backup then, and Purdy was would go through everything and basically taught uh, Chris McCaffrey on the field a lot of the nuances of the offense mm. and what the quarterback's thinking here. And so that while, while Brock Purdy helped Chris McCaffrey learn the 49ers offense, it also helped 
Purdy a lot just to be able to talk it through and answer questions and and kind of see it through maybe even a teacher's eyes a little bit. So it's interesting now that, you know, Purdy was basically a no-name when he got moved up to the number two job after uh, Trey Lance was injured, and now it's those two guys who are basically the, you know, the focal points of the 49ers offense. Devo and Ayuk, Brandon Ayuk, ASU alum Brandon Ayuk, they've both mm-hmm. been ailing. Do you, do you expect them to play on Sunday against the Cardinals? I certainly expect Ayuk to play a little bit more iffy on Samuel. He Coming out of that game Thursday, he, he had his run where he broke about seven tackles, and at the end of it he fell on the football and banged up his ribs. He was back in the game later that series and ended up catching a touchdown pass. Nice back shoulder throw from Purdy. Um, Mm -hmm. And so he was sore after the game. But then it wasn't until the next day, it would have been Friday when he came in, it was in the afternoon, he also reported, you know, my knee's not feeling right either. And so he hasn't practiced. I don't know if he doesn't practice today. I don't think he will be available to play in the game. Um He'll probably be listed as questionable, which is theoretically 50-50. This is just a guess. Nobody has told me this. But I kind of doubt he plays. Um, He he might, but I I think that getting IU's back might help them feel like, okay, you know, last week they they made the decision pretty early in the week not to play IU on the Thursday night against the Giants, uh, thinking that he could really benefit from the long week if he'd be right back the role for the game against the Cardinals. So it very well might be that Bernanners are going to say, you know what, let's not take any chances with Samuel, make him, you know, allow him to, to sit out uh, this week so that he'll be ready for the Cowboys. So, right. I, again, I'm, I, I don't know this. Nobody has said this to me. But I, I, don't, I would kind of be surprised if Samuel plays on Sunday. I think that makes sense. Talking with Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Bay Area. All right, former Cardinals head coach, albeit for one year, Steve Wilkes is now the latest uh, 49ers defensive coordinator. Has you know, They've gone through three defensive coordinators in five or six years. Is the scheme changed here with Wilkes? No, the scheme hasn't changed, but maybe the play calling has a little bit. I think he's more apt to dial up blitzes. I think under Robert Sala and, and D'Amico Ryans, it was – very much a you know, play coverage on the back end, rush four. Don't really deviate much from that. Just play good, solid uh, defense. And I think when Steve Wilkes came in, I know he, he had some talks with some of the defensive guys, uh, even in the offseason, Fred Warner, and just kind of like, you know what? I think this defense can be better if you know, we selectively blitz. You know, not, not a whole lot, not just you know, not wink Martindale like, but just there are, there are opportunities where, you know, offenses will be given us stuff. And so we should take it. That's, that's his, his pitch to, to Fred Warner and the defense. And those guys loved it. Like, yeah, absolutely. So they don't do it's. I think as the, the Cardinals prepare for the 49ers defense, it'll be very similar to them preparing for the 49ers defense of past years. But I would say, you know, more more often, not, not more often than not, but but there will be a greater chance 
on third downs that they're going to see some blitz packages from the defense that maybe they hadn't seen in previous seasons. Nick Bosa, you mentioned him. His holdout ended like days before the season started. Has there been any kind of drop in play in the first three weeks from, uh, you know, you know, last year he was the defensive player of the year in the league, so yeah. you know, might might be a drop anyway. Yeah. Uh, but have uh, you seen yeah. any difference? Um, you know what? I was I was checking out the Pro Football Focus numbers, and they have him rated as the highest. I don't know if it's defensive player or, or defensive lineman, front seven wow. player maybe. They have him already rated that you know number. You know he had a grade in the whatever, low to mid-90s. And that kind of surprised me because he hasn't made the splash plays that jumped off the, the map. I know he's getting pressure. He's constantly facing double teams and and maybe sometimes even more than that. And so that does open it up for other guys. But I wouldn't say that he's made – you know, I, I look around the league. I mean, I saw T.J. Watt week one. I've, I've kind of seen what Miles Garrett has done. You know, everybody knows about Micah Parsons. And those guys, I believe, you know, they all have the numbers to kind of back it up just three weeks into the season. Uh, Bosa does not have the numbers, just one sack. And even that came on a kind of a weird play where the Giants forgot to block him. And so he had a free run at Daniel Jones. Um, so I, it, it's it, it, the eyeball test, you know, hasn't been special. But, you know, I, I know the 49ers are, are pleased with, with what he brings to the table because – even just his presence out there opens things up and kind of limits the the blockers that can go around and and uh, you know there's always going to be somebody kind of running free in that 49ers defense because of Bosa. So um, he he thought that getting through week three was big for him. His holdout lasted 44 days. He didn't sign that contract until gosh I think it was the Friday morning before the Pittsburgh game. So he was as good a shape as he's in. He wasn't in football shape, and he played 35 snaps that first game. And then the next two games over, what, 10 days, he was at, you know, 80, 80% of the snaps. So he's doing the full workload. And once he got through the Thursday game, he said he really benefited from the weekend off. And now he doesn't feel like there are any restrictions, no limitations, that he's all the way back. So we'll see. You know, he's the guy, no doubt about it. He's the guy when the Cardinals break the huddle, they're going to identify where number 97 is. And that kind of changes how they block it up. He, he has carte blanche. He can line up on the left side. He can line up on the right side. And that will be a number one as far as what the Cardinals will identify when they come to the line of scrimmage. So he's, he can be a game changer without even changing the game as far as, you know, getting, getting the, the sacks, but he's always going to get pressure. He's always going to tie up type extra blockers. So uh, just what hasn't followed yet are those, those gaudy numbers, the, the league leading number of sacks that he had a year ago. Okay. Last up. Uh, if you were an offensive coordinator and had you know some offensive pieces, at least some, how would you try to attack the 49ers defense? Well, um, I would say, you know, if you can run the ball, great. 
I know the Cardinals will definitely try to do that. Um, whenever the 49ers don't have their their starters, their starting defensive linemen on there on the field, I think they, there's some guys that they can run at there. Um, and then I would say, you know, you have Rondale Moore in the slot, right? Sometimes, would, not as much. <laughs> yeah, I would say a matchup that could give the 49ers problems is if Rondell Moore, a, a shifty, speedy guy, mm-hmm. is in the slot against Isaiah Oliver. Oliver isn't like the, the nickelbacks the 49ers have had in the past. He's Oliver is more of a bigger, not as fast, more of a physical, good tackler. Um, but I think there's some plays to be made there. Um, with, with a smaller, shiftier slot receiver against Isaiah Oliver. And even though Diamador Lenore has been good at the one cornerback spot, I still think that, you know, teams, I think still worth the while of, of teams to try to attack him on the outside, uh, get the ball out quickly. Uh, Josh Dobbs is an extraordinarily smart quarterback. Um, it's tough to kind of be able to sustain those long drives by just picking apart, you know, five, six, seven-yard passes. But I think that's one way to get the 49ers slow down their pass rush. Um, and then when both is out of the game, whenever you see 97 on the sideline, take that deep shot. You know, take the take mm-hmm. the seven-step drop in and try to get the ball down the field. But if both is out there, then short passing game, you know, short uh, throw to the other side, that that kind of thing. So, I, you know, I, I don't think the Frayers defense is perfect. It's a darn good defense. I don't know if it's best in the league, but it's it's definitely top, you know, three, four, five, six, seven. You know, it's, it's right there. But I don't think there's any perfect teams in the NFL. And if I were an offensive mind, that those are probably the, the top things I'd be looking at to try to to sustain, keep the ball you know, ball control, and I think, you know, with James Conner, um, that, that's a pretty good guy to, you know, to put the ball in his hands and mm-hmm. run the clock and keep the 49ers offense off the field. All right, Matt, great stuff as always. I always appreciate it. Thank you, sir. We'll see you in a few weeks. That sounds good. I can't wait, Bob. we got a good one coming up on Saturday. When are we there? I think we're there, uh, is it mid-December maybe? Some, something like that. Yeah, you know, I think like I December could, 16th or December 17th. Yeah, so uh, looking yeah. forward to these uh, these two games. All right. Thanks. Have a good okay, one. Okay, thanks, Bob. Okay, you too. All right. Matt Mayoko, NBC Sports Bay Area, longtime Sports Zone guest. And uh, check out all his work, including massive video stuff at NBC Sports Bay Area. All right, next up, it is phone call time if you want to jump aboard. 602-260-1060. We'll have a little local roundup, depending on the phone call volume, including a little on the Diamondbacks from yesterday, a very disappointing performance. I know it's baseball season and 162 games and so forth, but there are some games that you should win. And when you play the White Sox this year, you should win, basically. They did not yesterday. Their offense has actually been very quiet the last two days after they scored 100 runs in the first game of that series. But we'll get into that a little bit. And, of course, the upcoming weekend series against the Astros. And 
The Astros, with the events of last night in Seattle, uh, they still need to win some games this weekend for their playoff situation, which is not guaranteed yet. We'll do what's best for the team. We'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show, coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. here on KTUS AM 1060 and KTUS1060.com. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time. But if you want to get in, you got to hustle up right now, 602-260-1060. All right, topping today's local roundup, the Diamondbacks. To, uh, if they don't reach the postseason, they're going to look at this final road trip. They went 1-2 and two at Yankee Stadium and not sweeping the awful White Sox. Uh, they ended up 3-3 three and three on the final road trip, and that might not be good enough. We'll see how it goes this weekend. If the Diamondbacks, do, if they get two wins over the next three days, they're in the postseason. Uh, the Astros are unbelievably 48-30 and 30 on the road this season, and they have plenty to play for this weekend, especially after what happened in Seattle last night. If Arizona had clinched on Thursday, they would have been able to avoid or at least limited Zach Gallon and Merrill Kelly this weekend. Now Gallon and Kelly might not be available for games two and three of the wild card round because they're scheduled to pitch the next two nights. On Thursday, uh, they lost three to one to the now 61 and 98 White Sox. Uh, also uh, in that game, it was really the last two days. The Diamondbacks have seven hits total. They have one hit after the third inning in each game the last two days. On Thursday, they wasted early scoring opportunities in the first and fifth innings, or excuse me, first and fourth innings. Uh, for the game, the Diamondbacks only had five opportunities with runners in scoring position, all, over the, all those over the first four innings, and they had zero hits in those situations. About the only good thing on Thursday is that Lourdes Gurriel Jr. did return from the shoulder injury that kept him out on Wednesday. Looking ahead, um, I wonder if relief pitcher Kyle Nelson might be on the playoff roster bubble. He allowed another home run on Thursday. He was really, really good for the first, say, five months of the season, but he's been awful in September. He has an earn run average of nine and opponents are hitting 320 against him since September the 1st. Meanwhile, on the White Sox side, Tuki Toussaint, former Diamondbacks first-round pick, he was effective, one run in four innings. Uh, he allowed, actually, as it turns out, his season's now over as a starter, and I assume he's not going to pitch in relief any time in the next three days for them. But he allowed three earned runs or fewer in five of his last six starts, so maybe there's some hope for him. By the way, it was $1 ticket day in Chicago yesterday. Then there still wasn't anybody there for the most part. Uh, in fact, you could still hear when you know, Alec Thomas is from Chicago, went to high school there. His dad used to work for the White Sox, so he's got lots of fans, friends, family, whole deal going on there. And whenever Alec Thomas came to the plate, you could hear the crowd uh, you, because there was a more – Fan. I think there were more fans there rooting for Alec Thomas than there were there rooting for the White Sox. Up next, the uh, finale of the season, the, season, the uh, regular season series finale, better way to put that, against the Astros. Pitching matchups, I mentioned Zach Gallen. 
Expected to be the starting starter tonight. 17 and 8 with a 3.49 or a run average against J.P. France, who's been really impressive and very surprising. 11 and 6 with a 3.83 or a run average for the Astros. Saturday, uh, the starters at 5.10 are Merrill Kelly, uh, at least the listed starters at this point. 12 and 7 with a 3.38 or a run average against Justin Verlander. 12 and 8 with a 3.32 or a run average. Depending on each team's playoff positioning, uh, they might you know, be able to get by without using those guys and wait for the playoffs, assuming both of them clinch playoff spots or one of them does tonight. So we'll see how that goes. Sunday's a 12-10 start, and uh, this year it's TBA versus TBA, you know, which is understandable because nobody knows what their playoff situation will be, at least right now heading into Sunday. And all Sunday MLB games are scheduled to start around noon, uh, so, sometime you know between noon and like 12, 12, 12.20 Arizona time. Uh, baseball has been doing this for the last few years, the last day of the regular season. All the games roughly start within the same 20 minutes or so. Also in today's local roundup, the 1-2 and two Cardinals are remain 14-point underdogs on Sunday. At the three and eight, uh, three and zero, I should say, San Francisco 49ers. Uh, the Cardinals might be running short on inside linebackers. Original starter Josh Woods was not able to play last Sunday in the win against Dallas, and he's missed practice time this week. His replacement, uh, Chris Barnes, was injured during the Dallas game and didn't return. He's missed practice time this week. Meanwhile, the one and three Sun Devils have gone from 11 to 12 and a half point underdogs. On Saturday afternoon at Cal, uh, since ASU doesn't play Stanford, uh, it is ASU's best chance to win another game this season. Not saying that they're not going to win more than one more game this season or any games, but this would seem to be their best chance just looking at the schedule. Meanwhile, the 3-1 and Wildcats have gone from uh, 16 to 19-point underdogs at home on Saturday night against Washington. Uh, at least people in Las Vegas uh, seem to believe that Jaden Delora is not going to play. I'm not positive, but I don't know if there. I don't think there's been an official uh, you know, designation from the U of A on this. Uh, but Delora, also running back Michael Wiley and linebacker Justin Flo, three really key players for them were all injured last week in what was a very fortunate victory at Stanford. Quickly, just uh, checking out the uh, the wild card situation in the National League. First up, the Marlins are just getting basically screwed by Mother Nature here. They had the uh, situation in New York with the rain on Tuesday. They took a 2-1 to lead in the ninth inning yesterday at New York, and the rain came again, and it wasn't going away anytime soon. It's been raining in New York for literally a week. The Diamondbacks found out about that last weekend. And uh, this game is now, if they need to play or finish it, it's going to be on Monday, a suspended game, and they'll play the rest of it in New York. In the meantime, the Marlins play the next three days at Pittsburgh. So good luck with all that. But uh, like I said, the Marlins getting kind of screwed by the uh, Mother Nature part of things here. So the Diamondbacks have 75 losses, Miami 76 losses. The Cubs lost again last night. They have 77 losses. The Reds are pretty much cooked with 78 losses at this point. They need to win every game out. Uh, need to win out from here on out from uh, to have any chance, and they need other teams to lose. All right. 
Last time I'm going to give the wild card standings. Well, maybe not because if the Marlins are playing on Monday, we might have to do this again on Monday as far as the wild card standings. Coming up next, we'll have a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's spectacular radio program. With the National Roundup, that will include a little more from the scoreboard, the American League version of things. And then uh, don't forget the next two hours, it's the extra point with the Friday spread. We'll go through college and NFL games, of course, hosted by Kayla. And then we'll also, uh, Brian Blewis will join us from Pro Football, uh, Pro Football Network for our weekly prop bet discussion. I'm ready. I think I did okay last week. I was pretty bad a couple of weeks ago with some of those questions. I'm actually going to, my plan is I'm going to dis- distinguish that this may be a really dumb question. One of the questions I'm going to ask Brian in the 11:15 or so segment. Right now, you're still listening, thank God, to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7. Now time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show, right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. From the MLB scoreboard, American League this time around. The Orioles clinched the the, uh, AL East. Anthony Santander homered. D.L. Hall worked out of a sixth inning jam, and the Orioles clinched the division with a 2-0 victory over the Red Sox. Dean Kramer, who I assume is going to be the number one starter once they get to the postseason, uh, he allowed two hits, one walk. This is an amazing turnaround. This is two years, <clears throat> excuse me, two years after the Orioles lost 110 games, and now they have the best record and the top seed in the American League. Very impressive. Uh, they play the Red Sox the next couple of uh, three days, actually. John Means uh, scheduled to start today. We'll see if he fits into their playoff plans. Before uh, they got good, he was their best pitcher, and he's been out with Tommy John surgery until recently for over a year. Nick Pavetta goes for the Red Sox tonight. By the way, I need one more Red Sox loss to win my season win total under bet from way back in March. I actually kind of gave up on that and wasn't paying attention, and then I went, whoa, after I was told, hey, the Red, you might win your bet because I completely forgot about it. I would have remembered at some point, but go Orioles. I need one more win here. Uh, and I need one more Red Sox loss, more importantly. All right, the Mariners ain't dead yet. J.P. Crawford, big double last night with two outs in the ninth inning. And the uh, Mariners won 3-2 to two against the Rangers. So the Mariners now within one game of the Astros uh, for the last final wild card spot in the American League. And Seattle still you know, needs to, you know, they could actually, if they sweep these next couple of games. I'm not exactly sure how these division things, that how that works out. But anyway, they're not dead yet. I do know that part. Uh, they play again tonight. In fact, that was the first of a four-game series in Seattle to end the season. Brian Wu will be the starting pitcher for Seattle. And uh, Texas, at last report, had not named a starting pitcher for this evening. The Blue Jays, they didn't face Garrett Cole, so they won last night. Uh, Chris Bassett, 
he's had a really good season. He's uh, two, 200 innings for the first time in his career. Nice free agent signing by the uh, Blue Jays there. He was the winning pitcher last night as the Blue Jays defeated the Yankees. Uh, Bassett allowed one run. Excuse me, one, yeah, no runs? One run over five hits in seven and two-thirds innings. And that's the first time he's beat the Yankees in his career. Remember, he used to pitch with the Mets, so they had some of those uh, Subway Series games. Uh, so he beat them first time in three career starts. Uh, he matched his career high Bassett did last night with 12 strikeouts and one walk. All right, a couple of quick things uh, from uh, you know, basically ripped from the headlines. The Michigan State uh, in Mel Tucker's see, uh, Sue You See, uh, let's see, Sue You See, uh, Sue Me Blues, Sue You See, uh, Sue You Sue Me Blues. It's, it's an old George Harrison song. He sang it better than I said it. But anyway, that's underway. They're going to, it's already, the litigation has already begun. Tucker was officially informed on Tuesday that he's been fired as the Michigan State coach. And then yesterday, he has now filed a suit about wrongful termination. So this isn't going to go away anytime soon. Meanwhile, baseball, more than 70 million fans this year attending Major League Baseball games for the first time in six years. I think certainly uh, the pace of play has helped. Also, the pandemic wiped out a majority of their season. And uh, fans were hesitant to come back. Let's put it that way. Meanwhile, one quick note from the NBA. The Heat not expected to pursue James Harden. A couple of reasons here. Well, I'll give you three. One, he's not as good a player anymore. He also has $35.6 million on his contract this season. And he's an unrestricted free agent next summer. So those are three good reasons. All right, that's the Sports Zone. Stay tuned. The next two hours, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. It is the Friday spread. We'll have prop bet talk. We'll go through NFL and college games. We'll have more phone call time. 602-260-1060.